Fame. You know, what an honor it is to be inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. So it's been, uh, it's been surreal, but it's also, you know, made me do a lot of reflecting. And now, here's another guy who wasn't born in Canada. I don't see any Hall of Fames in his future, though. It's Barry Davis. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I'm not even the Hall of Fame of my household I will not make a member of. But uh, Dwayne Ward will. And we'll find out why a guy who is not a Canadian is such uh, a lock, a shoe in for the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. But yet it took a long time for Dwayne Ward to get in. He is now going to be inducted. When? We're not really sure, but we'll chat with the former Toronto Blue Jays closer. Just a fascinating conversation. We'll also chat with Raj Shapaya. And, well, if you watch the show regularly, you are thinking to yourself, why did you air the same Raj Shapaya last week as you did the two weeks ago? And I'm taking full blame on that. So this week we will hear our conversation with Raj Shapaya talking about that horrific incident with Josh Naylor, the Canadian. Uh, and speaking of Canadian, as we keep the Canadian theme going here, uh, we're going to be joined by a guy next who has spent more time in Canada than you and I combined, Tom. 93-year-old who has been a Blue Jays fan and really a baseball fan from the beginning. Big music fan, but here's the interesting catch. We spoke to this 93-year-old gentleman on Thursday night. The time now that you are watching this, sadly, he's no longer with us. But he had every say on how he went out. That conversation is coming up next. There's Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis. You are listening to and watching Out of the Park. A play ball. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. Joining us now here on Out of the Park is, is a very special guest. His name is Norm Marcus, and Norm has uh, been a music fan, a baseball fan. He's done it all at 95 years old. And first of all, Norm, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on, uh, well, let's just say this is a very interesting time in, in your life at the age of 95. Uh, before we talk about a lot of the things that you've done and seen in life, uh, would you like to share with our listeners and viewers uh, what is happening with you uh, over the next couple of days? Over the last... Uh... Uh, last while, I've been suffering quite a bit, and I decided that uh, I um, I turned blind about a month ago, and I decided that I the, uh, uh, didn't feel that life was worth anything any longer, and uh, decided to call it quits. So we got in touch with this, uh, what they call the maid service. I don't know what the what the letters mean, but anyway, uh, we made the arrangements, and they are going to uh, put me to sleep on Saturday morning, or sometime early Saturday, and uh, that will be the end of my time. I'll be uh, I'm 93 years old, incidentally, <laughs> not 95, but that's close enough anyway. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> I talked it over with my family and they all yeah. agreed too because they seen me suffer quite a bit. And, uh, you know, now I was dependent on them because I couldn't see. So I decided it was that time. And the doctors agreed and the nurses that uh, went over it and they uh, said yes. 
has there has there been a sense of peace in the family once this decision has been made was it did it make things easier as things have been progressing now um once you made the decision and decided that you know this is what we're going to do this is you know this is how i'm going to end my time it's a little bit hard to digest right off the bat but uh, yeah when you stop and think about it we thought that that was the right thing and everybody agreed to do it so uh, yeah i feel uh feel satisfied that we're doing the right thing norm when it when it came time to making a decision so big as this did you find that for you you were more concerned about how it will affect other people rather than yourself because i know you are pro- you probably came to peace with this decision easier than it did for your family i don't think my family found it too hard because they uh, they seen what was going on for a while before the decision was made uh, it wasn't just on the spur of the moment that uh um I uh, we we talked about it and I said you know I said it's just getting too much for me and uh, and it just got to a point where uh, we everybody was used to the idea that if it was going to happen it could happen any time and uh, and uh, and that's what we did. Got the doctor uh, uh, the two doctors had to agree uh, on this year. Uh, agreed with me too you know they said we understand uh that uh they they felt the decision was right because they, they did said at your age you may have only lived another year or two anyway you know it's not like you're uh, at a young age or anything like that you know when you're up around 93 uh you're you don't have too very much more to go do, do you mind do you mind me asking norm do you do you believe that once you're finished here on Earth, that there's there's any there's something else? Do you are you a believer that you know this is just the, a part of your journey? Uh, you know something, I um, I uh, not really. That would make you think that. Uh, I had a couple of experiences in my life. Uh, one time was uh, I was. Uh, I was very sick, and I remember walking up the wall uh, of upstairs. Uh, it seemed like I walked up about a mile up in the air. It made me think that there had to be someplace else that uh, I was going to if, if I went out. But uh, I never really thought about what there, uh, what there uh, was uh, what to look forward to. Uh, it's something that nobody really knows the answer to. You know, a lot of people make up stories about it. But uh, I didn't know. It's just something that happens. And uh, and I, w- I won't know until I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I won't be very long before I find out. <laughs> yes. You know, before before you take the next step, as we look back at all the many steps you've taken to get here, yeah. Um, you know, what have, what have been the things in your life that have brought you the most joy? What are the things that still bring you joy now, even as, you know, you're, you're going through the, the difficult time that you are? I, I've been very fortunate, uh, fortunate to have a very, very nice family. They're all a friendly bunch. We're very close and always were because we lost our mother when she was only, uh, I mean, she was 39 years old when she passed away. 
And uh, the kids and I uh, went from there and uh, I'm lucky that I had good kids and uh, everybody pitched in and uh, we went through a pretty hard time, but uh, it, it worked out. And, uh, and uh, a lot of people say you're going to go and meet her again. So five, that's another thing. You know, you always wait to find out and see if that's, there's anything to it. But I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it'll be news to me too. <laughs> Whatever happens, I, uh, I just don't have a clue. I, uh, I kind of think... Uh, when I was almost ready to go through that uh, uh, place at the end of the uh, brick steps, um, it seems I was going like going to be going out into space, wherever that was going to take me. But uh, something held me back, and that's uh, I could really never figure really uh, too much of what was after that. So. Uh, that will be a brand new experience, believe me. <laughs> Norm, I understand you're you're a huge music lover and a huge sports fan as well. You're uh, not too many people can say they were alive to see the Maple Leafs win a Stanley Cup and and the Blue Jays win a World Series. Uh, are there certain memories that you have sports wise that stand out to you? I loved baseball from the time I was just, I think, six years old. I remember the end of Babe Ruth. I remember Lou Gehrig. Uh, one of the, uh, I remember Joe DiMaggio very well uh, because he came in in 1936 to 51. I remember Mickey Mantle was a very, very big favorite because he uh, was uh, hitting all those big tape uh, measure home runs. And um, I liked the Yankees until we got the Blue Jays. And then, of course, that's uh, we're Toronto. And I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed our uh, our Blue Jays. Uh, we uh, won the uh, one it twice, 92-93. And uh, I'm hoping again with the team that they got with these young fellows, they are playing some beautiful baseball anyway. That's but right. We get a, a couple more good pitchers or something like that. We uh, we'd have a happy chance, but we're going to need some pitching. That'll be the most important part. And the Maple Leafs. Well, I remember when they last won the Stanley Cup in '67, and they've been a disappointment ever since. That's right. Well, I tell you, I tell you what, Norm. If there is a higher power, if there is a God. Can you please put in a good word for the Blue Jays and Maple Leafs? Can you tell them that we've been suffering long enough here and to kind of, you know? Definitely do that. I, I uh, will, uh, <laughs> I, I will uh, put in a word. And, uh, <laughs> we don't want much. We don't. No. They're going to need all the help that they can get. To That's you, right. <laughs> they need uh, some divine intervention would be good. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, no, no, I was going to say we don't. No, 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 hang on, hang on. If he's if he's going to ask the Almighty One for a favor, we may as well aim high. Norm, right? We want the we want the cup and we want the World Series. All right. I'll, I'll tell him that you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
nor I, I will definitely have a talk with someone. Tell me we have so we are going to need some changes made. <laughs> Quite a few changes. Well. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Norm, do you have a favorite Blue Jay of all time? There's so many good ones. Uh, of course, the uh, uh, little uh, Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero, yes. Yeah, he has played some beautiful first base, eh? Oh, yeah. They, uh, he just seemed to, they took him from third base and put him on first base and uh, a little rough for the first uh, first little while, but boy, did he ever come through. He's, uh, he's picked up all that would be almost impossible to catch. And, and uh, he turned out to be a real winner, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, Boucher, uh, 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 there, you know, the, the He's made a lot of errors. He, he does. He hits enough. Uh, gets enough hits, and and runs to, to make up for it in a way. But uh, he has a little bit of uh, work to do to uh, to get straightened around. You know, like uh, for a shortstop, uh, he's made quite a few errors since last while. Yeah. But uh, I I like him. I I like the way he hits and everything else. I think he'll come around. And uh, our uh, leadoff guy, uh, Simeon, yeah, yeah, he uh, it just seems that when he gets going, the rest of the team goes too, eh? So, uh, later on our program, we're going to be speaking with Dwayne Ward, who was closer for the Blue Jays in '93. And yeah. one of the things that Dwayne talks about is when his career was coming to an end. In his mind, he still felt he could pitch. He still had that competitive drive. His body just gave up on him. It sounds very similar to a situation that you are in personally because your mind is still there. You can still think and speak and remember things. Your body's just not up to snuff. So in many ways, you are you have a similar situation as when, it, when an athlete comes to an end of their career, when their mind is still saying, I can do this, but their body's not allowing them to. Well, that's me. See, the mind is willing, but the body is not able anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, that. Uh, yeah, he was good. Uh, mind that they had a cracker jack team in those two years that they had won the uh, won the uh, championship, eh? Oh yeah. They had. Uh, they had a lot, a lot of good players. Um. What was that uh, Yankee player? The one that uh, that's true the ball when he hit that uh, that uh, bird. Oh yeah, Steve Winfield. Oh, Steve Winfield. Yeah, Steve Winfield. <laughs> there. I did you see that the, the next day Donato the, the had yes. the one page there. <laughs> that was really something, wasn't oh, it? Eh? Yes, it was. It was, and uh, I I know personally uh, a guy that was on the grounds crew with the Blue Jays then, and his job was to clean up the pieces of this dead bird sitting in front of Dave Winfield. So he was out there with a broom and a dustpan, pretty much scooping up what was left of this bird. Pretty amazing, huh? <laughs> yeah, I like when the police came and went and put handcuffs on them. Yes, true. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that that was really funny, and then of course that was finishing uh, 
And I put that picture of the bird with that mean look on his face. He was talking to Yogi Berra because Yogi was the uh, was the uh, uh, the manager of the uh, yeah the Yankees the, the Yankees yes. uh, back then. I I think one of the funniest ones talking about the Yankees is Yogi Berra. Well, the Yankee team were invited. I think it was to the White House or something. And it was a very hot day in the summertime, and uh, and uh, Yogi was all dressed up in a white suit, and a nice white suit, and uh, and uh, uh, who was the uh, the uh, president of the United States at the time? Uh, uh, oh God, I can't remember his name, but anyway, his wife was very entertaining and a nice woman. And she came over and she said, uh, Yogi, she said, you look pretty cool today. He says, you don't look so hot yourself. And <laughs> 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 I'm not too sure who it was. It was one of, one of the first ladies anyway. <laughs> This is We Ain't Petty!
Joining us now is the newest member of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame in Wardo. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to bring in somebody that was very instrumental in getting you in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. My God, it's been way too long, but now you're in. Uh, what does this mean to you? Oh, shoot. I tell you, you know, I think it just, you know, kind of lets you know that you're, you know, that your peers think of what you did and how you did it was, you know, was worthy of, do, you know, getting, you know, getting this honor. And that's, you know, that's something that uh, I've thought about, you know, since it's been put on hold now for a year and a half, and it's going to be on hold until, you know, 2022. So, uh, you know, I've got a lot of time to reflect back and, and think about it and, you know, and just, you know, realize, you know, what an honor it is to be inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. So it's been, uh, it's been surreal, but it's also, you know, made me do a lot of reflecting, a lot of, you know, a lot of thinking about people that helped me with my career and people I've met along the way, people that I've, you know, that, uh, that I've gotten to know, you know, lifelong friends. I mean, I sit here and think about it and it's been 35 years or whatever since the first time I stepped foot in Canada, you know, back in 1986 and, uh, you know, here I am still, uh, you know, doing a lot of stuff up in Canada and doing a lot of things for the Jays organization. And, uh, you know, just really, uh, it's just a reflective thing, Barry. And it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm honored. That's all I can say is I'm honored with, with this, uh, this induction. Wardo, this better be one hell of a speech because the amount of time that you have to prepare for this, you're going to have to <laughs> kill it out there. <laughs> It's going to take all of about three minutes, and that's all that's going to get. That's all I'm going to give them. <laughs> uh, no, it's you know, it's like I said, it just get you know, by it being pushed back, being pushed back, being pushed back. It's it's just been one of those things where I've had so much time to reflect, and you know, and the last thing I want to do is not you know not say thanks to you know to the right people or leave somebody out. And that's something, you know, that's something I keep thinking about all the time is, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out and I don't want to, you know, make it to where it's a, you know, a 45 minute, two hour or whatever, you know, you know, acceptance speech or whatever, but I, I want to make sure that I recognize all the people and, and I don't want to lump in so many people into one group or whatever, because there were so many different individuals and so many different coaches and so many different people, uh, like I said, people that, that really have, you know, played an instrumental part of me being, uh, you know, inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. 
you know, you do play have and have played such a huge role in Canadian baseball. First as part of the, you know, the great Blue Jays teams of the 80s and 90s. And, you know, you, you wouldn't remember this, but actually we met uh, a few years ago. You were helping coach kids at the, at the Dome. And as part of a great, yeah, and my son was one of those kids at in the, at in the left field bullpen. And, uh, and, you know, so you do, you know, you've had such an indelible impact on, on the game in Canada. And I wonder if you realized that as a player or if that was something that didn't, you know, it didn't really sink in until after when you started working more actively with youth. We didn't have all this, you know, this stuff to where, you know, you had to be aware of what you were saying or what you were doing and stuff. You know, so you, you had more time just to focus on on your career to try to get, you know, from rookie league to A ball to double A to triple A and hopefully get to the big leagues. So, I mean, you, you know, that that was my my focus while I was playing and just trying to do the best that I could to prolong my career and to, and to have, a, you know, a, you know, a long career. But uh Afterwards, you start thinking about it going, you know, gosh, you know, so many kids are asking questions about, you know, how did I do this or how did I do that? And obviously I was a pitcher, so I couldn't talk to them a lot about the hitting side of things. And so I thought about, you know, hey, let's let's see if we can't start giving back to some of these kids and give them an opportunity that I didn't have. You know, because I grew up in a small town in, in northwestern New Mexico. And uh, that to me was something that I was never exposed to was having a former big league ball player or big league ball players, you know, just putting on little, you know, local clinics or camps or whatever. And so I said, you know what, the best way to do this is to get a bunch of alumni, get them out on the road and, and let's have the hitters there. Let's have the pitchers there. Let's have the catchers there. Let's have, you know, the infielders, let them talk about how they did their thing and how they were, you know, so, you know, what, what got them to that upper echelon to becoming a big league ball player and so that's where it grew at. And then, you know, having, you know, people like Paul Beeston and Stephen Brooks and these guys uh, saying, yes, let's go ahead and do this. Let's take this, let's take this show on the road and let's go across Canada. And obviously when we're in Toronto, it's going to be a lot bigger, you know, a lot bigger, uh, I guess, event because of the population, but it's also its home, home base for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, you know, when you get that opportunity, I felt like, Giving this back to these kids after my career was over with was one way to uh, to say thank you to the you know more importantly to the uh, to the parents that you know that cheered me on you know because after my career was over with now here comes their kids through these camps and so you know it was, it was my way of saying thank you to the parents saying you know I want to give back to your kids let's see if we can't get them a, a a little bit of an advantage or or get them you know an opportunity to listen to different ways of doing things that might help them to get their game better. And that to me was very important. Wardo, uh, we recently spoke with uh, former Jays closer, BJ Ryan, and you know, like you, he, he had some incredible years, all-star years, and then the injuries took their toll. And he talked about the end of his career being just a horrific moment for him, both physically and mentally. For you, I mean, you put up that incredible year in 93 and then didn't play at all in 94. You come back and you play those four games in 95. Now, I'm thinking that your competitive edge and fire was still there, but physically it wasn't there. What do you remember about, A, those four games that you pitched in, in, two, in 1995? And what's going through your mind is you're probably coming to the realization, ah, shit, it's over. 
But it's no, you know what? I never, Barry, I never said it was over. Uh, I think I kept saying it's going to come back. It's going to come back. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get back to where I was before, but, uh, you know, I didn't, I don't know if I went through any depression or anything like that. Cause I, that's just not me. I always, I'm, I always thought that it was you know going to come back and I was going to be able to pitch the way I wanted to pitch again. But over, over the course of the, you know, after the 95 season, like, you know, 96, 97, you know, trying to come back, trying to come back and then, you know, just not getting the response out of my arm and not realizing that uh, until here, you know, after I had my, you know, my second shoulder, uh, shoulder surgery, uh, you know, a few years ago, not realizing that I had, you know, torn the biceps tendon off. And I don't know if that was ever fixed in the first surgery or not, but. Uh, or even diagnosed, Wardo. <laughs> well, yeah, even... I mean, but it's, it's something that, uh, you know, when I had my surgery in 94, you know, everybody said, you know, this is going to be okay. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I think you, you know, you'll come back from and this, that, whatever. But then I, you know, I tore all the, you know, I tore the cartilage off of my, uh, my middle finger on my knuckle, uh, which was a setback. And then, you know, just having to go from, I guess, changing the way I was throwing a little bit to try to protect this. And I think it may have hurt more and I don't know, but it, it was something where I think in 98 that it, it was something where I said, you know what, it's just not coming back. I'm not getting a response. And plus it was just a constant dull ache in my arm. And when I did pitch, you know, cause I went on to the Cubs organization and then into the Texas Rangers organization, you know, when I went into spring training and stuff, I could throw, but then gosh, I needed like three or four days off for it not to hurt anymore. And so that's when I started realizing, you know, if this doesn't get better to where I can at least throw two days in a row, take a day off, take two days off, throw, throw a day, take a day off. If I can't get to that, then it's not going to come back at all. So I think in 98 is when I realized that it's just not, it's not coming back the way I want it to. And, you know, and the only other thing to do was maybe to go in there and have another surgery done just to explore to see if there's anything wrong. And I never did that. So I, you know, I came, to, I came to the realization that it was over. Did I want to play more? Yes. I wanted to go on for another 10 years. I wanted to go on, you know, for as long as I could, you know, like every, everybody wants to play as long as they can, but then, you know, talking about, you know, how do I give back? And I thought the best way to do that is to go, you know, through an organization that, you know, that I, I guess made my bones with and, and did a lot of good things with is to go back to them and say, Hey, I got some ideas here that we can do some stuff for the community. We can do stuff for, you know, for the country of Canada. I mean, they backed me for 10 years while I played there. It's, you know, it's time for us to give back to them and, and, and try to get more alumni involved and stuff like that. So I found another path to where, I think it's been a great uh, a great success and i'm you know i'm hoping that after this pandemic stuff is all over and done with that we can get right back to it again you, you talk about passing on your knowledge and uh you know coming off of talking about the end of your career and the injuries that led up to it is there anything specific in terms of injury prevention when you're working with young players that kind of makes you rings an alarm bell or that you you try and impart uh gosh you, you know uh you know, my, my thing was that when I was playing, you know, I, I pitched so much. I pitched in so many games. I logged so many innings every year. And I think that might have been detrimental. I think nowadays, you know, these, you know, these pitchers are, are a lot more 
you know, I guess I want to say coddled, but it's not coddled, but they're, you know, they're looking protected. More. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're protected more. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're part of, uh, you know, we got to keep these guys healthy because we're paying them a lot, you know, a lot more money than I was making, but, uh, we got to protect them a little bit. And I, you know, I, you know, in some, in some respects, I'd like to see, you know, starters stretch it out a little bit more because, you know, you got these relievers going out there, even if you're pitching a third of an inning or two thirds of an inning, they're still pitching quite a bit. And, you know, people don't realize that you have to get up in the bullpen to get ready. That's throwing. And then you got to get, you know, if you don't get in the game in that inning, then you got to get back up again and warm up again. And then hopefully you get back, you know, you get into the game. So, I mean, you, you've actually thrown off the mound three times in one day. And now, you know, I think that's why you're seeing so many relievers being used every single game. And I, I, I'd like to see that cut down a little bit because it's just getting to a point where, you know, you're seeing guys having forearm problems. You're seeing guys having, you know, shoulder problems, you know, and it's, that's not something, you know, I want anybody to go through. So, but they're, they're protecting these pitchers a lot better than they did, you know, you know, 30 years ago. You talk about them protecting the pitchers. Actually, it's something Barry and I were talking about, I believe in your 1991 season, uh, you logged 127 innings. (laughs) <laughs> and as a reliever uh, was it was it 91 or it might have been 90 no it was 90 it was 90 19, yeah 1990 127 so 127 thirds so in 2019 the the final full blue jays season that we've had one pitcher trent thornton pitched 154 innings yeah no other blue jay pitcher in 2019 pitched more than 125 they also haven't so, had a complete game since 2018 <laughs> right and, you know, yeah. we, we talked about this a few years ago, you and I, about how yeah. we're going to get to a point in the game where there's no such thing as starters or relievers. It's just pitchers. Uh, that theory is starting to ring truer and truer with every year that goes by. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, I've been, you know, I've been talking with, you know, some of my, you know, my old teammates and stuff about, you know, the way starters are used and the way uh, relievers are used. And, you know, now they're, you know, now they're even, you know, using relievers to start games and go one inning or two innings and then bring in another guy. Uh, at some point in time, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, you know, why pay a starter, you know, $30 million a year or whatever, if he's only going to give you four innings every five days, I mean, you might as well just make him a reliever and make every, you know, or just call everybody a pitcher and just give them all a flat base salary and just say, here, this is what we're going to pay you. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously you have your elite pitchers. I'm not going to take anything away from some of these guys out there. You know, DeGrom's incredible, you know, Cole's, you know, Cole's been pretty incredible you know, Kershaw, you know, incredible pitchers. And these guys are going out there and trying to go that, you know, that six, seven, eight innings or whatever, but it's just, it's gotten to a point now where you have a starter going, you know, four innings, five innings maybe. And, and then all of a sudden you're using seven or eight relievers. So, I mean, at some point in time, I think that's got to go back to where, you know, starters got to give you a little bit more, but you know, it's, it, it is what it is. And I think it's, you know, the analytics and it's the, you know, all the, all the matrix of baseball of people saying, you know, Hey, this pitcher is more effective if he pitches, you know, just twice through the lineup or, you know, he's more effective if he, you know, uh, if the only uh, reliever only comes out there and pitches to just, you know, right-handed batters and stuff. So they're getting a lot more specialized and a lot more, you know, nuances on uh, nuances on the, uh, on the on the matrix and the and the numbers game, Wardo. Before we bring in uh, a few of your fans to ask questions, I, I I always like to do this with former pitchers. Here's a baseball from 1994. Okay. Okay. This thing still is sticky. Like I this one. Okay, <laughs> it's still sticky. It's in great shape. 
This ball is from 2000. Oh, geez. Sorry. I, I, oh. See, I can't even hold on to it. Yeah, there you go. That's, that, yeah, that's the, that's the new ball from 2020. So what the hell? Like, any idea why they stopped rubbing these with, with mud? Because to me, if, if, if they were still doing this, we wouldn't need guys to put all these foreign substances on it. I think, I think they are, you know, still rubbing it with the mud because, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's a guy over and I think it, where's he at New Jersey or someplace where he goes out and gets his, you know, gets the mud and packs it up for all the, all the umpires. I, you know, they may not be rubbing it up as much. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something I haven't, uh, I haven't touched a game ball in a long time. They, so. they are, they are pretty, <laughs> they're pretty white and they're pretty slippery nowadays. And you know, you watch on TV, you see it. But as a pitcher, what would, talk about the importance of having grip and having that ball not be so slippery. Uh, you know, I mean, you can, you know, these guys, I mean, they can go to their mouth now on the mound. And, you know, that's, I pretty much just use nothing but saliva, you know, to get, to get the grip. But like you said, you know, they did rub the balls up. Sometimes they were rubbing them up. They were so dark you couldn't even see them. So, I mean, I, you know, there's, there's, I think there's a, you know, a, a happy medium there, you know, rub it up to where, you know, it does get, you know, a little bit of roughness to it or a little bit of tackiness to it, but I just use saliva and, you know, but I had to get off the dirt to, to go to my mouth where these guys can do it right on the mound. And so, you know, you can, you can get some good tackiness there, but I, like I said, you know, everybody is going to these numbers thing and they're finding ways to, to try to improve a pitch or improve a, you know, their, their breaking ball or whatever. And if it, if it comes down to them using, you know, tacky stuff or whatever. I mean, rules have got to be changed because it's illegal to do that. And, you know, now we're seeing that, you know, some of these guys are coming back down to earth a little bit about, you know, the, I guess the big thing is now is spin rate on baseball. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it is what it is, but I, I mean, they got to find a way to, to get those baseballs to where they were a little bit, you know, a little bit better to where there's, you know, there's some tackiness on them already. Well, Wardo, you can't come here to Toronto to see your fans, but uh, Gosh, we're able to... well, the good news <laughs> is we're able to bring them here to you. So uh, we're going to bring them in right now, and there's going to be some faces that you do recognize there. And uh, you know what? Why don't why don't we? Are you uh... going to make me put my readers on? <laughs> uh, why don't we start uh, with Sue, and then John will follow in because. Uh, John, John is uh, a guy that you have spoken to many times about the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. But, John, you shut up first. We'll hear from Sue. Hi, Dwayne. It's great to see you, and you look fabulous. Hi. How you guys doing? God, it's been forever Hi. since I've seen you guys. <laughs> well, that's, that's, I'm glad you remember us. Anyway, um, I can't wait for your induction. I really can't wait. But my question is, in 1993, when you were at the All-Star Game in Baltimore, was yes. there any one person or, or celebrity or whatever that you were really excited to meet for the first time? Oh, gosh, you know, uh, you, know, it's always, you know, it's always nice to be around Michael Jordan. Mm. Wow, you know, yeah. that's... You know, that was one guy, you know, you know, don't you, you don't really get a chance to talk to these guys a whole lot while they're there because they're there to do the little celebrity home run hitting contest and stuff like that, you know. But uh, before that, I got a chance to uh, to meet Tom Selleck because he was doing his tour for Mr. Baseball. Okay. And then he was he was part of the uh, he was part of the home run competition, celebrity competition in 93 also. So, you know got a chance to talk back with him because when he was doing his tour for Mr. Baseball, it was, you know, he came into the clubhouse and we got a chance to sit down and talk and stuff. So, you know, that was nice. But like I said, it's always nice to be around someone like a Michael Jordan and, 
And okay. So, thank you so what, much. Thank you, Sue. Okay, so, guys. Well, hopefully, I'll see you guys soon sometime. Oh, hey, I hope so. I can't wait. Wardo, was was Tom Selleck's mustache as glorious in person as it was on camera? <laughs> you know what? Uh, yeah, it was. But he's also, you know, he was also a lot bigger than I thought he was too. Really? So I mean, yeah. Oh, he's a good size. He was a good size man. Six three. You know, six three, six four. So I mean, he was. Oh, you know, he was a good size man. Geez. All right. Also a good size man is John. Uh, John, say hey to Wardo. Hi, Dwayne. How are you? Uh, good, John. What, Dwayne, um, first of all, I want to congratulate you on finally, too long before <laughs> you got inducted. Congratulations. Well, well thank you. I know you, got, I know you guys were pushing a lot forward, too. So, you know, thank you guys right. for always being in, my being in my corner and stuff like that. Dwayne, I also want to acknowledge that there will be people who won't be able to be there that would have been sitting in the front row smiling and so, so proud of you. So I just want to acknowledge that for you. Well, thank you. And uh, again, thank you for all the work you're doing with the Jays, with the Jays Kids Program. This is fabulous. And I know you add a lot. So, um, well, so I hope, I hope. I hope those programs continue, and uh, you know, I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't heard a whole lot about what, uh, you know, what direction the Jays are going with that stuff. So, I mean, it's like I said, it, I think I've, you know, I've been in contact with them once over the whole, you know, the past year. So, I mean, I don't know where the programs are at or what they're, you know, what they're going to do, but hopefully they will continue because, like I said, you know, I enjoyed doing them, and I thought it was a great, a great venue to give back to the fans of uh, of, of Blue Jay baseball. So. Wayne, I have I have one question, and it's about superstitions and rituals. Oh, oh gosh! Okay. Now you're making me go back into the into the memory banks here about all my superstitions. <laughs> well, let's go back into my memory bank. There's one thing I don't know whether it's true. I've tried to find it, but I can't find it. Is it true that you wore the same T-shirt for years under your yes, uniform? Yes, the blue sleeves that I wore. I wore those. Primary, uh, almost for, gosh, I want to say, I wore them for about eight or nine years, and then one trip to Milwaukee, they came up missing, and I couldn't, I couldn't find them. So it is true that I use. I mean, you know, there were the, you know, the white, the white body with the blue sleeves, and you know, the blue sleeves were fine, but the white body from being washed so much and that stuff. I mean, it was starting to become very see-through. Yeah. But uh, yes, I, I did have the same sleeves on for for a lot of years. And then I had to find another pair after after uh, that trip into Milwaukee. But yeah, it's true. I had them for a long time. You know, another, I never, go ahead. Another, John. Sorry, another quick one. Is it true? If it's not, that's OK. Is it true that you would only play catch with Jim Acker? Well, it was Jim. Ac it was Jim Acker. But uh, the other one that I'd play catch with was Tom Hickey. OK. Oh. Okay. You know, I, those, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where, I don't know, I guess, you know, you call it routine or whatever. I don't know if it was a superstition, but it's more of a routine to say, you know what, let's play catch with this guy. But it was, you know, something where, you know, I didn't need to play catch a whole lot. It was just, you know, guys that uh, like, Ack, like Jim Acker and, uh, and then, uh, you know, Tom, Tom Hinkie and stuff. So those are primarily the two guys that I play catch with. Wardo, when you play catch with another player, specifically a pitcher, are you throwing a pitch to him or are you just throwing a baseball? Like, is there a difference between playing catch and? Yeah, you know what? You know, you 
being a reliever, you know, you, you don't know if you're going to pitch that day or not. So one thing you want to do is play catch, you know, and, and kind of heat it up a little bit, you know, spin a few breaking balls and stuff like that, you know, but it, you know, it, it was something where I just wanted to use it to test, you know, where's my arm at today. So, you know, cause I, I wasn't going to go in, in the bullpen and get some side work. I, I almost never did that. You know, if I did it, it would be because maybe I hadn't pitched in two or three days, but even then it would be talking to Cito or talking to whoever and saying, Hey, you know, I need to get in the game today. You know, regardless of the situation, if it's a safe situation or a hold situation or anything, it didn't matter. I just need to get in the game. I need to get out there and throw. So playing catch, it was more, you know, let's just see where the arm's at. Let's spin a few breaking balls and then we're good. Let's get ready for the game. So it was more of a, of a test than it was to go out there and just play some cash just for show. Awesome. Sue and John, thank you so much. Uh, Fiona, you're up next and you've got the retro blue Jay shirt on, uh, back in the days when Wardo back when the, you actually, what do you think of these new unis? Do you like the, uh, the baby blues now? You know, I, I, I like the uniform. I think they do a good job with, you know, implementing all the, uh, you know, all the, the kind of the past with the present and, uh, I, you know, just don't ever get rid of the. Uh, just don't ever get rid of the little maple leaf in the uh, in the Blue Jays head. <laughs> Hi, Dwayne. It's nice to Hi. meet you. How you doing? And there's that little. There's that maple leaf in the Blue Jays head. Just keep it there. <laughs> As someone who, on occasion, called some Jays games uh, for the radio broadcast, I'm just yes. wondering: um, Do you have any opinion on Rogers sort of discontinuing? Our, 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 uh, uh, sorry, our radio broadcasts. You know, I saw that earlier this year before, you know, before uh, they just, you know, they decided to do that. And, and you know what? I, I think that radio is something that everybody really enjoys listening to. Cause I remember going across the country in Canada, you know, where we're doing our, you know, doing the camps and we, you know, we'd drive sometimes from city to city. And the only thing we had was the radio. So we could listen to the Jays game. So, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of, you know, kind of disappointed that they did that, but I, you know, I understand possibly why. And I think, I think even Major League Baseball, a lot of people out there in the baseball world really frowned upon it mm -hmm. saying, you know what, this is, this is baseball, you know, baseball on the radio is baseball. And so, you know, I, I hope they get, I hope they, you know, pick it back up and I think they will, but right now it's just something where I miss it. I missed it, you know, when we couldn't uh, when we couldn't uh, pick it up on the radio when we're driving from town to town or whatever. So I, it's something that uh, to me is is baseball. Well said. Thank, Thank you, you, Fiona. And you know, you know, you think back to to Tom and Jerry, right? I mean, these guys weren't just radio broadcasters. I mean, they were friends of all of you guys. I mean, they were part of the team. Mercy, check him out. You know, there were household names, and like I said, people always. You know, you know, some people would turn the TV on and turn, you know, and mute it and then turn the radio on just to listen to Tom and Jerry, you know, call the game. And to me, it's it, it's it's baseball. You know, it's it, you know, you didn't have TV back in, you know, back in the, uh, the 1800s and early 1900s and stuff. So what, how, did, how did everybody listen to the game? They listen to it on the radio. So it's it, it's as, it's as baseball as anything there is in baseball is, is baseball being called over the radio. Well said. Well said. Uh, Craig, you're up next, and you are final question. Craig, say hello to Dwayne Orn. 
Yes, thank you, Barry. Thank you, Tom. And, and just real quick, I open all of my Blue Jay work with "Hello, friends," and that's literally a tribute to Jerry Howard. Just a follow, <laughs> yeah. literally, just to follow up what you're talking about there. Something nefarious is up, by the way, with, with that shirt you're talking about. The Brewers back in the day, they were like the Rays these days. Didn't matter yes. the standings. The Brewers always gave the Jays fits. So something's up with that shirt, yeah. Dwayne. Barry, you know Barry may need to investigate this. <laughs> we scoured the whole. Yes, sir. Trying to find those sleeves, and we could not find them. So unbelievable. I, I would, I would have said that there might have been, there might have been a, a plot against me. So, <laughs> and I think that happened. I think that happened in uh, ninety. I think it happened in ninety three. Is when it did happen. So. Well, Dwayne, it's funny you say 93, and it's funny you mentioned to Sue that we're asking you to go back, because I do want you to go back, Dwayne. We all remember the 93 World Series, the Joe Carter home run. Speaking of Tom Cheek, the touch them all call. Yep. want to yep. talk to you, Dwayne, about intricacy in that at-bat that <laughs> fascinates me. So in that at-bat, now, now, first of all, Dwayne, Wade's the, uh, Dwayne Ward's the winning pitcher of that game, by the way, right? People forget that, Dwayne, so let's mention that, first of all, yes. But in that well, at-bat... I, 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 let, let me say this to you. I won the first game ever in Blue Jay history in World Series play. And I won the last one. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Uh, yeah, against the Braves. And the, no, exactly correct. Yeah. So there you go. So now you've got the memory working. Yeah. So let's go back to that at bat, Dwayne. Now, the one thing I want to point out, Alfredo Griffin's in the on-deck circle. He had pinched run for Olerud. So for you guys, it's probably yeah. Joe Carter or bust. Now, Mitch Williams against Joe Carter. Mitch Williams opens fastball, misses ball one. Fastball, misses ball two. Fastball, yeah. strike one. And then, Dwayne, do you remember the two-and-one pitch? It's that slider down and in. Joe Carter, flat-footed yeah. swing. He's totally fooled. And then, Dwayne, the intricacy that fascinates me. Now Mitch Williams looks into Darren Dalton, rest in peace, the catcher, and yep. shakes off the sign, Dwayne. Shakes off yep. that sign. Now, do you well, think – yeah, Joe, Joe, Joe had pulled that, that, uh, that, that slider down today. He pulled that almost like a home run foul ball. On the previous at-bat, on the yes. previous pitcher, yes. No, so and Dwayne, then Mitch Williams, Mitch Williams, you know, he, he shook off Darren Dalton, and he called for the same pitch again. Tried to and fool him Joe, inside, Dwayne. Yes. Tried to fool him again. Yep. And he let he he left it out over the plate a little bit too much. And Joe was one of those guys. Joe was one of those guys that if you know he could keep the ball fair down the line as well as anybody. And I don't know how he did it. You know, most guys when they <laughs> when they hook when they hook it, they hook it foul. He kept it fair. And I, I and I tell you what, it couldn't have been more than what maybe two or three feet that it stayed fair. So <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that vividly. What would your approach have been, Dwayne, if you're in that scenario? Especially, that's why I bring up Alfredo Griffin in the on-deck circle. How would you have approached that at bat? Uh, I would, I would, you know, uh, I would have definitely pitched Joe a little bit more carefully. I'd have made us make a, you know, make a make a choice on either letting Alfredo mm. hit or find somebody to pinch hit for him. You know, but I would have, I would have, uh, I would have made Cito. Alfredo, I'd have made them more of a part of that game than I would have let Joe, you know, have a bat in his hand and swing it. You know, Joe's more more of a threat and everything else. So, and you know, to me, uh, I think Mitch made the wrong call by trying to go back to a pitch that he thought he made Joe look bad on. You know, because once a hitter realizes that, oh my gosh, you know, kind of snuck up on me, now he's going to make an adjustment immediately. So it might have been something where he could have, you know, he might have been able to throw something up and away to Joe and get him to, to flail at something or down and away to see if he can get him to ground out. But Mitch came right back in and just, you know, he just left it all over. He left it over the middle of the plate a little bit too much. I think the best thing that could have happened to Mitch Williams was that his control was so bad that he plunked Joe Carter. 
I, mean, well, I, you know, I, I would have made, I would have made Cito and, you know, I'd have made them make a decision and not let Joe Carter beat me or, or let Joe Carter get a good swing at the ball. But I'd have, I'd have had them make a decision, you know, and are you going to let Alfredo Griffin hit or are you going to pitch it for him? Awesome. Absolutely. Craig, great question once again. And uh, for all of you on the line, thanks you once again for making this such a great uh, conversation with Wardo. Dwayne, we cannot wait to see you back in Toronto. We want to hear that speech. I want to see you. Hey, I want to see you cry, man. I want to see you bawl oh. your eyes out. <laughs> oh, you know what? It, it, it'll be one of those things that, uh, like I said, it's it, it makes you reflect on a career. It makes you reflect on your life. And it makes you uh, realize that, Obviously, you're out there on that mound by yourself having to perform, but there was always so many other people behind you, with you, who encouraged you. And and uh, I just want to make sure I don't forget anybody. And, and especially, you know, I mean, stepping out on that mound, we had a whole country behind us. So it was easy. It was really easy to pitch at home, really easy to pitch at home when you have, you know, 52,000 people in the stadium, but you had 36 million people across the country cheering for you. So that. That's something I want to make sure that, you know, I don't ever, ever, you know, look at lightly because that home field advantage is important. Well, I will uh, send you the correct spelling of my name so that you can make sure that it's in your speech. speech, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Wardo, awesome to see you again, man. Uh, It's been way too long. Miss you, pal. And I can't wait to see you again. But thank you so much for taking the time. Well, I can't wait to get back up there also. You know, I'm just waiting for them to open up the border and then just see what, uh, you know, see what direction, uh, you know, the organization goes and, you know, what uh, what avenues we have to start doing things up there again, Barry. There is former Toronto Blue Jay closer Dwayne Ward. On next week's show, we will be joined by former Toronto Blue Jay manager John Gibbons. Now, Gibby's been on this show many times before. We have not had him on with our OTP insiders. This is going to be a very fun conversation, Thomas. I'm hoping we can get Fraser on for this as one of the insiders. Oh, I'm thinking that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> probably not going to happen. Uh, we want to thank Dwayne Ward for joining us on the show. Also, Raj Sapaya and, uh, man... Uh, God bless Norm. I mean, uh, he's no longer with us, but what a fascinating, fascinating human being he is. And I, I, I just oodles of respect for him and, and deciding to go out on his own terms. Yeah, you know, as difficult as the interview was in certain respects, I, I think it's, you know, we pride ourselves on delivering the human side to sport. And we got to, to speak with somebody, you know, right at the right at the end of their time here. And, and really got a, a glimpse of like what was important to him during his life. And and it's amazing to hear him talk about baseball. He could have been an announcer. Absolutely. Um, he, he knows his stuff. He loves his stuff. And it, it was amazing to have the talk. So big thank to Norm and his family for helping arrange that. Uh, Thomas, listen, as always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it, it really makes you think about it, enjoying every day as we have it. Uh, I will never be in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, but I feel like I'm part of the Thomas Fourth Hall of Fame, and that's all I need to know. Tom, <laughs> thanks as always, and thanks to all of you for making us a part.